Welcome to Greatness, where the world's leading thinkers share their ideas about how to create greatness. Great leaders, great teams, and great organizations. Why be good when you can be great? This is Gretchen Gagel, thrilled today to be joined by Mickey Connolly, founder of Conversant. Welcome, Mickey. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for welcoming me. I'm speaking to a lot of leaders in these times in the U.S. and throughout Asia Pacific that are facing difficult decisions, decisions around workforce reductions and uh, closing facilities. I know the Conversant team has many experiences of helping clients execute these strategies in a way that really aligns with their organizational values. And I'd, I'd like to talk today about a specific example involving a high-tech company. Mickey, could you give us a bit of background on the uh, situation? Yeah, and I do think you're right. This is a good example of many organizations that face similar things. This one in particular was a high-tech company, a Fortune 500 enterprise that was facing a plant closure. And it was caused because an area that they had been dominant in the market had attracted so many competitors that they were for the first time beginning to lose. And a lot of the competition had figured out how to do the same kinds of things for less money. So they had to figure out how to get costs out of the system so they could continue to compete. And they decided to do that by consolidating operations into a a new site in a different geography and use very new, highly efficient technologies. However, that new site would not be in full production for one year. The site that had actually been doing the bulk of the production up to that time would then be rendered obsolete. So the challenge they face is how are they going to maintain full production in a site where everybody knew they were losing their jobs? So that's the the short version of the challenge. And it sounds like this organization had um, values that aligned with you know, the treatment of their people and, and you know, treating people with respect and um, really valuing people as a, as a tremendous asset to the organization? Yes. The executive vice president who was leading that global business, he really was troubled by the fact that he was getting a lot of advice that he should withhold the fact that the new plant would lead to the closing of the, the tech center as long as he possibly could. Uh, He said he thought that was ethically and practically wrong, that it would violate their core value of transparency, and the truth would end up coming out anyway, and that people would feel conned. And he said, I can't imagine productivity goes up when people are feeling conned. Mm -hmm. So he just said, we have to figure out how to do this without, in his phrase, losing our soul, is the Mm -hmm. way he said it. What a great phrase, losing our soul. And I know that there's there's got to be leaders out there that are thinking about this similar situation. Like, how, how do I make these difficult decisions and yet still show the people that remain that I care for them? So how did, how did they go about developing a strategy that worked for them without losing their soul? Uh, well, we had a strong relationship with the CEO and this particular EVP in this company. And so they just asked us for what we had seen work well for people in similar kinds of conditions. And we set an approach that is unusual and very effective, is to solve the problem as a community. 
we say what that means is give all the people who are affected by this the real information and a chance to contribute. Stand for the transparency value, share the problem, and ask for help. So the start of the strategy was just them saying, are they willing to really live so fully in that transparency value that they were going to let everybody in on the challenge and then ask them to contribute? So that was the start of it. And some people don't think of it as a strategic question, but do we count on our values as a source of our competitive health? That's a big strategic question. So the first thing is they had to look themselves in the mirror and say, do we mean it? <laughs> and they obviously, right. they committed to it or we wouldn't be telling the story here. Right. And I'm sure that took some courage on the part of the of the leadership group to so fully embrace that and, and not really understand what it was going to mean to engage a community in this way. Yeah, I, I think it definitely did. I also think that them looking at it together, so the CEO, this EVP, and the EVP's leadership team, there's something about them looking at it together that I think called them to the highest reaches of their character. <laughs> you know, they had to look at each other and say, do we mean it? And the CEO said, I've never seen a value that people believe in that hasn't had to survive really difficult times. And he said, so this is one of those times and it's a chance for us to do something people can believe in. Yeah, absolutely. So what did those first steps look like then? Well, the first thing was they worked together on what what did it mean to share the problem with people? And they came up with a, a short way of letting people in on it. And it basically was this. So I'm saying it like I am the CEO or I am the EVP. Uh, they said, we've promised to be transparently honest with one another, and we've done well with that over the last few years. We're facing a challenge now. And the transparency is necessary because we need your help. And if you don't know what's going on, you can't possibly help. And as all of you know, this entire business has been under a lot of pressure. And we've said that we're at risk if we don't take costs out so that we're matching or bettering our competitors' costs. And the new plant in Texas is going to feature new technology that, that really gets us back into the competitive edge that we need. However, it will make this West Coast Tech Center obsolete and we will be closing the site in approximately 12 months. And the members of your site leadership team will be reaching out to each one of you with a question. And that is, how can we help take care of the problems this will cause for you in a way that allows you to help the tech center run well for the next year? So that's the basic communication that they did very broadly to nearly 1,700 employees on that site. And from them, there was a whole lot of steps they took. So the 14 members of the leadership team divided up the nearly 1,700 colleagues. And so they each had about 120 people. And they worked out ways to connect with all of them. They sent out emails asking people to think about their response to the question before they got together. Uh, we also had some coaching sessions with the executive team on listening to learn, which, as you know, Gretchen, is our belief that the test for really great listening is that you learn from what people say. So their job was to learn from people who were answering the question, not to convince them or fix them anything, just to really receive this and be able to come back and say, what did they learn they didn't already know? 
And then they held live meetings of 12 or fewer people so that gave people a chance to speak up. And they did them in person on conference calls and webinars. And then each leader asked their group of 120 to elect uh, two representatives to work with the executive team. They all went through this massive amount of input. I won't go into the details about how they <laughs> gathered it all, but they did. And when it was all done, the combination of the leadership team and the representatives from the 1700 colleagues went through all of it and they came up with, there's really one big question. And if they could get help with that question, they thought it could produce something really remarkable. And the question was, how can we make sure the rest of our careers are more successful and secure because of how we operate the plant this year? That was the big question that came out of all the input they got from nearly 1,700 people. And out of that, they created teams to work on answering that question. And three basic things emerged. The first one is a scoreboard was created that got updated actually at least by week and often by day for a level of production that earned each person who stayed the entire time a bonus equal to three months of their compensation. Wow. And that, and they actually came up with something that the company said, oh, if you could produce that, <laughs> we could afford to do that. So it was exciting. The second thing is that each person would be able to earn a leadership credential, basically a diploma coming to them for high performance in the face of adversity. And they would receive a personal letter of recommendation and gratitude from a senior executive in the company. And the third thing is they created something they called the LINK, which was a communication and outplacement center that publicized this. And what was interesting is the press locally picked it up because they thought it was really interesting that these employees were engaging in a high performance game on their way to losing their jobs. And so that was really interesting to people. And the outplacement center part of it was helping each colleague identify job opportunities. Uh, what was really interesting is after the story got picked up by the press, there was a lot of interest in this thing called the link from local employers in this metropolitan area on the West Coast because they just got interested in this whole adventure. And when it was over with, it was remarkable because they broke their annual production record and when the plant closed, over 1,400 of the people had new jobs at that time. And the EVP ended up calling it the most satisfying experience of his career. When I asked him why, he said, well, the first reason is because we came up with things by looking at this together that I never would have seen on my own. Mm. And people were willing to make sacrifices because they wanted to that I don't think I ever would have had the courage to ask them to make. And he said, it's really exciting to me that they're all still friends of the brand. <laughs> this is a big consumer brand, by the way, this company. And he said, these are all people that still like us. So uh, that's basically what they did and the impact that it had. That's, that's remarkable. And, you know, it's, it's things like that letter. I mean, the bonus is important, but that letter from a senior executive probably meant a lot to those people. Um, that were, were leaving that plant and feeling like they'd been, like you said, that this this uh, transparency. So many of the leaders that we're talking to right now, 
are facing decisions that have to be made quickly. Um, what lessons were learned with this, this specific client that you think apply in today's tumultuous is probably an understatement of uh, today's business climate? Well, I think there's three basic areas that we see have got long-term application. The first one is our biggest problems generally cannot be solved by a small number of people. And a mistake we see people make is you get the two or three most powerful who go into a secret place and come up with something that they now say, well, it's brutally hard and it was difficult, but we're in charge and we have to make the tough choices. We say, if you want to go fast in the actual success of the choices you have to make, slow down at the beginning and include other people in understanding and responding to the problem. So the first move is, can you turn this into a community challenge, not the challenge of a few senior important people? Bring the challenge to the community. See if you can see what are the aspects of it that matter broadly, and then ask them for help. So the first thing is make it a community problem. The second is ask for them to contribute ask for them to make you smarter. And it's extraordinary how people really do want to leave things better than they found them. And even when there's risks for them personally, given a chance, most people try to solve. They try to create, they try to improve. And the last thing is offer it to people as a choice. So the people in the tech center They could engage or not. They could go to those live meetings or not. They could respond to the emails or not. And it's really important because spiritually, people always have a choice anyway. (laughs) They could be wholehearted or not. Mm -hmm. There's no way we can demand that people be fully engaged and brilliantly resourceful. So it's those three things Treat it as a community challenge, one in which you're giving people a chance to make a contribution and one they're choosing to make, not one they're forced to make. Community, contribution, and choice. So, so important. And, and I think the other thing, Nikki, if you have um, comments, this word transparency is a word that I hear a lot of people using, but maybe not understanding the the depth of transparency necessary, especially during difficult times? Well, we found in all the work that we've done on trust, which that could be fun on another podcast to look at what we learned about 30 years of working on trust breakdowns. But a little bit from that is that if people cannot hear that the things that matter most to them matter to their leaders, there is no foundation for that kind of coming together. And one of the things they test is, does my leader trust me with the truth? Because if my leader doesn't trust me, it's really hard for me to trust my leader. So by transparency, we mean, when in doubt, try the truth. And people tend to not want to share the truth unless they already know how to respond to it. And we say that's a mistake of leadership. That when you know the question, that's when you communicate. 
because the people that you engage with in this completely open, honest, unedited way will trust the conversation. They'll be able to bring more of their whole self to it, their whole creativity, their whole intellectual prowess, the whole of their careers. But they're always testing, do you trust me, leader? Because <laughs> if you don't, I'm not in. Yeah. And what's the test for you trust me? The truth. That's such great advice, Mickey. This has been um, an outstanding example that I know will help leaders around the globe think about um, this, these difficult challenges that they're facing. Any closing thoughts that you'd like to um, share before we wrap up our conversation? Uh, only that I think the things that we've investigated this last 30 years really are things that almost all leaders at different times in their life have run into. So it's not like we're saying something that's radically new, but we are saying something that often people fail to stay true to. And so I just think it's another chance for things that in many of our hearts, we already think are important. How do we become disciplined about those things so that they become a normal part of our leadership? In this case, we're talking about transparency and trusting a community with big problems I think there are probably lots of different things like that, that in our best moments, we know what to be true to. Well, how do we make that every day? And then we can have a lot more of our best moments. Mickey, thank you so much for taking the time to share your wisdom with us today. Well, it's generous of you to call it wisdom. It's hard won by making mistakes over many decades. Thank you, Mickey. Interested in hearing more? Visit us at greatnessconsulting.com. Thank you.